Welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I'm Sarah. I'm Jane. You know what's really ironic, Jane? What? We did this whole episode on football and whatever, and like our recording. Maybe we won't go until the Super Bowl, but like, (laughs) do we have any intention of watching the Super Bowl today? Not really. Like, Not really. Maybe I'll watch clips of it. Or... We like. I, we also woke up today, had a whole conversation that I was like, we have to find out what Phil said. And we like totally forgot <laughs> it was Groundhog Day. <laughs> our topics leave us so quickly. They do. They really do. Sometimes I listen to our episodes and I, I'm like, oh, right. That was my topic. And I'll sit there listening to myself speak as if I had never heard this information before. I'm You're like, learning. Wow. Really interesting. I hmm. love that. <laughs> It's good to learn from yourself, you know? And there are times when I'm listening to you speak where I, like, react in the on our podcast a certain way, and I'll react the same way, like, forgetting that I had done that. Like, I'll gasp at the same moments. That's really funny. I'll go, ooh, at the same time. That's very funny. My mom texted me about numerology, and I was like, I don't know. That was a long time ago. I don't remember that. She was asking me a question about what today, which oh, is yes. a palindrome number, yes. means. Because it's number eight. Yes. We found out that people who are eight are very dominant and uh, related to Leos, but we don't really know what that means as far as this day. Yeah. It's appropriate to be a football day, I guess. I received the shocking news, since we're speaking briefly of astrology, that I thought that you and I had flipped... Well, we have the same sun sign. Yeah. um, But I thought we had the same moon sign and rising sign but, but flipped. flipped yeah but turns out your rising sign is different than you told me it was originally i'm and sorry now i thought i, I updated you on that information no. so originally we have the app co-star and originally when we put our information into co-star they tell you if you don't know what time you were born on the day you were born you should just put noon but your rising sign changes about every two the rising sign changes about every two hours. Mm. So when I put it noon on my birthday, it said that I was a Scorpio rising. But then, because my mom couldn't remember when I was born. So then I ended up having a conversation with my aunt at my cousin's wedding in September. And she was like, I know what time you were born. I have it written down. I have a journal that, like, I put for, like, every... She kept, like, a, a thing every year when yeah. someone's born in our family. She would write their name and what time. So she went back to her, like, 1995 date, like, Mm-hmm. what's it called day planner and it said five thirteen p.m which is weird because when i said to my mom my mom said i don't know what time you were born i said i thought i was born at five thirteen p.m and she was like i don't know where you would have gotten that number someone at some point in my life told me i was born at five thirteen p.m and so when my aunt told me that i was like i already knew that and my mom made me doubt my mother yeah. <laughs> made me doubt the time i was born i think it's because when you're you know having a baby there's so much going on with just like your body and like there's just a lot of stressful things going on so you're not really looking at a clock i also know my birth time from looking at my birth certificate once my parents had never told me it before then and when i mentioned it to them pretty recently they were like is that what time you were born i was like you were there but right that's fair i think they're just keeping track of so many other things at that time that's fair that's very fair my mom said that she was surprised that it was that late in the evening because she knows she went into labor in the morning Mm. and she said she hadn't felt like the labor was she didn't remember the labor being that long which is, like, probably a good thing, you know. But she also had an epidural, so mm. <laughs> she was out of it. Um, so it is what it is. Anyway, yeah. so I updated my co-star to say that I was born at 5.13 p.m. So instead of being a Scorpio rising, I am a Capricorn rising. I thought I knew you. I'm sorry, Jane. I'm sorry. <laughs> you still have 
Wait, what's your moon sign? Scorpio. Scorpio moon, but you're a what rising? Cancer. Okay, so I'm still a Cancer moon. You're still a Cancer yeah. rising. We still have two out of three in common. Mm-hmm. That's true. But I'm sorry. We're still compatible. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. How are you doing? I'm doing, like, okay. I'm not, I don't think I'm as sick as you are. But I'm definitely, like, the congestion that kind of hung on from my bad cold I had a couple weeks ago. Right. Like, is now starting to present itself in like sinus pain Mm -hmm. and it's not as bad as it's been in past years i've had really really bad sinus pain but it's not that but it's just like it's i'm just aware of it you know right yeah that makes sense um but it's not terrible and i've had a pretty restful weekend i devoured a show on netflix last night and a little bit this morning (laughs) called luna nera it's an italian show and i encourage you all to go watch it it has shaken me to my core it's very it's like a supernatural show it's like it's kind of like the witcher kind of like game of thrones cool it's about witches it's really cool sarah how are you i'm good as jane already said i am sick i'm excited well okay so here's the, here's the only reason that i care about the super bowl i did make a bet on the super bowl. <laughs> um i'm in a i'm in a super bowl pool which if you don't know is the system where you buy squares on a grid and then the squares like one the columns will be one team and the rows will be another team and then each row and column is assigned a number and if the teams at the end of any quarters their scores end with the numbers that you have chosen then you like win money for that quarter so i need in one of the quarters either for kansas city to end with an eight and the 49ers to end with a five or or no i need the 49ers to end with an eight and kansas city to end with a five or i need a quarter where the 49ers end with a two and kansas city ends with a seven and i get 20 bucks (laughs) so (laughs) fingers crossed for me so that's the only reason that I'll be paying slight attention via Twitter to the, the game score, tonight. Yeah. yeah, to the game tonight. I'll watch some of the fun ads later. Oh yeah, the ads are funny. Sometimes, some years it's a hit. It's a some years yeah. it's a hit, and some years they're it's a miss. I agree. Okay, tell me about Valentine's. Okay, Day. Okay, let's get into Valentine's Day. Sarah and I spent the last two Valentine's dates together. Yeah, seeing well, theater. I don't think we're are we gonna do anything on I Valentine's Day this any, year? Like, tickets that are like. Yeah, because both of them were just well. The I'll first make you year, was, can I make you dinner? Oh yeah. Okay, I'm making Jane dinner. Well, the first year we just you happened to find cheap tickets to Farinelli and the King. Yeah, I went to the theater and I was like, "Do you have?" And that yeah. wasn't even through NYU. That was oh. on my lunch break at work. I went to the theater and I was because I wanted to see the show. Yeah. And I was like, "Do you have any rush tickets left?" And they're like, "Yeah, thirty-five dollar yeah. box seats." And Jane we were, and like, I were like, "It was the most luxurious box seat I've ever seen. I've never sat in a box seat before, but this." one was swanky i was it was, I, I it was, was a like, really cool show to see in a box because it was all lit with candles it was yeah. very like old-fashioned show yeah it was really cool i was like we're in the 1800s right now yeah. and then last year they announced that anastasia was closing and both of us wanted to see it one more time we were just looking up ticket prices and the cheap day happened to be valentine's day and sarah was like want to do it again and I was like, sure i'll just make you dinner oh, you're so seeing anastasia though we did get to see what's his face as dimitri oh what um that blonde boy who's now kind of dating miley cyrus he's dating miley cyrus i didn't know it's like that cody cult. simpson cody simpson yeah. yep we saw cody simpson we saw cody simpson as dimitri it was a good time it was a good time i hope he treats miley cyrus well i do too 
Okay, so Valentine's Day. My Valentine. Aw. Valentine's Day is also called St. Valentine's Day Mm -hmm. or the Feast of St. Valentine, and it is celebrated on February 14th. It originated as a Western Christian feast day honoring potentially any number of people. (laughs) So basically, there's one St. Valentine that is mostly talked about, but there were actually two or three and possibly more saints by the name of Valentine. Oh. Three of which could have been martyred on February 14th. Gotcha. And so the name of the day, like the saint who we're celebrating on that day is St. Valentine, but it's not exactly sure which one it was. There, Those are just several saints that were canonized on February 14th and are in the like official lists of saints. Okay, yeah. And so like technically I think every like you could look up any saint and the date that they were canonized Mm -hmm. that day is like their day. Yes. And you can celebrate them on that day. Yeah. So it didn't really start as a a holiday per se. Although I mean technically yeah it was a holiday but not one that was really celebrated. Um, There are three big ones. There's Valentine of Rome, Valentine of Terni, and then there's a third Valentine who nothing is really known about him um, other than he was martyred on February 14th somewhere on the continent of Africa. Oh. Uh, and that's all we <laughs> it's know. A big space to cover. Exactly. And that's all we know about him. Valentine of Terni, um, there's not much said about him um, other than he was buried on the same street um, via Flaminia uh, as Valentine of Rome. And Valentine of Rome there's also not as much known about him but a lot of legend has been built on him Mm, okay that has contributed to the modern day like mythology of valentine's day okay or however you want to say it he was martyred in the year 269 a long long time time ago ago. (laughs) (laughs) legend has it that he was imprisoned for helping persecuted christians escape capture while in capture the roman emperor claudius ii was very impressed by valentine just as a person he thought he was very smart and he decided that he would go and have a conversation with him and attempt to convert him to roman paganism in order to save his life because if you were imprisoned as a christian if you said you would convert you would be given some level of mercy but in this conversation valentine refused to be converted and instead tried to convert claudius to christianity (laughs) and it was for that reason that claudius decided to execute him but i know but before he was executed he is reported to have performed a miracle by healing a girl named julia who was the blind daughter of his jailer, Asterius. Oh. And while Valentine was unable to convert Claudius, um, he was able to convert his jailer, his daughter, Julia, who he had restored her sight. And the 46 members of Asterius' household, his family members and all of his surgeons, 46? That's a big household. All of them came to believe in Jesus and were baptized as Christians. So hope Claudius wasn't mad, you know? Yeah, that's awkward. (laughs) That's a little awkward. (laughs) And it is rumored that on the evening of his execution, he wrote a letter to Julia and signed it, Your Valentine. And that is what people say was the first Valentine card or note. Which I don't think there's much evidence for them being romantically linked. Just that, like, he cared for her and he healed her. Yeah. And she was very grateful to him. Legend has it that after his death, Julia herself planted a pink-blossomed almond tree near his grave, making the almond tree a symbol of abiding love and friendship. That's really cool. I know. Isn't that nice? Now, again, most of the 
facts we have on this St. Valentine are all legend that various, like, as the years went on, someone else said this and someone else said this, but they were farther and farther in the future. So most of these things are not totally confirmed to be right. true, but it's, you know, a fun story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, further embellishment on the legend states that St. Valentine would perform secret Christian weddings for soldiers oh. who were forbidden to marry. Emperor Claudius II supposedly forbade his soldiers from marrying because he believed that married men do not make for good soldiers. However, um, yeah, well, don't worry. It's probably not true because historian George Monger came along and said that that probably wasn't true because, in fact, Claudius II never banned marriage. And in fact, he told his soldiers after they had a victory over this people called the Goths, he told them to take two or three women for themselves. Jesus. Not terrible. Um, I've heard of the Goths. I have too, but I'm mostly from Titus Andronicus, and I feel like I need to learn who they actually were. Save that for later. (laughs) Make note. Notice. (laughs) Also, according to legend, in order to remind these men of their vows and God's love, St. Valentine is said to have cut hearts from parchment and give them to soldiers and to persecuted Christians giving a possible origin to the use of hearts on Valentine's Day. Aww. Valentine was also reported to wear a purple amethyst ring, which was a thing that was customarily worn by Christian bishops, but his had the image of Cupid engraved on it. Oh. And that was a symbol that was associated with love, but was legal under the Roman Empire. Right. And so when Roman soldiers recognized that, they would say, oh, he's a bishop, but he, like, has he he likes love you know Mm -hmm. and so they would ask him to perform marriages for them and because of this amethyst is the birthstone of february oh i was gonna ask is that related and it is thought to attract love um yeah saint valentine of rome was made a saint in 496 by pope galasius i'm gonna say his name is galasius pope galasius the first and the flower-crowned skull of St. Valentine is exhibited in the Basilica of Santa Maria in Cosmedine, Rome, and other relics are kept in a church in Dublin, Ireland. Wait, like the real... Yeah. Uh, Which I'm like, he was... He died in 269, like, or what was the year? 200-something. 269, which 1969 keeps coming up. 69. <laughs> yeah. That's just the year he was martyred. Oh, yeah. Martyr no, the year he was martyred. This year he died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know how they're preserving that. I'm sure they are somehow, but I, that's cr- that's yeah. Crazy. You can go to that's... Rome and see his skull. And it's got a flower crown on it. That's fun. It is fun. Skull of Saint Valentine. Can I get a picture? Oh shit! There it is. The truth behind whose skull this is, however, is complicated. Okay, well, it is believed that Saint Valentine's skull. <laughs> well, it's just like the shawl in Israel. Is there oh, the yeah. shroud that like yeah. they think belongs to Jesus? It's like the yeah. yeah. Jerusalem. So maybe it's one yeah. of those things. Valentine of Terni uh, was the other Valentine who was also made a saint on February 14th. He was martyred on February 14th. Not as much legend has been built on him. He was a bishop of Interamna and he was martyred during the persecution of Emperor Aurelian in 273, which is only four years later. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about about the same time period and he is buried on the same street uh via flaminia as valentine of rome which i think i said before but but yeah they have that in common and so via flaminia is kind of a yeah this website says that they don't know if the skull this skull is that old but they don't know if it's for sure valentine him. of turnies or valentine oh. they don't know which saint valentine oh. it is 
Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah. dip. The Catholic Encyclopedia also speaks... Oh, I already mentioned this. And the third one from Africa, that, that all we know was that he was martyred in Africa, he, he, we know he exists because the Catholic Encyclopedia mentions him. Okay. But literally nothing else is known about him. That's but uh, because... Okay. It is the date of their martyrdom. February 14th is celebrated as St. Valentine's Day. However, in 1969, it was removed from the general Roman calendar. But local churches, like town by town, can decide whether or not they want to celebrate it. And whichever decision is fine. And there's one quote that says, Though the memorial of St. Valentine is ancient, it is left to particular calendars, since apart from his name, nothing is known of St. Valentine, except that he was buried on the Via Flaminia on February 14th. So it's basically like the official Christian church is like, it's not really an official holiday, but you can celebrate it if you want. Traditions are mostly of modern Anglo-American customs, like the UK and America really have the most well-known customs okay. a lot of other countries do celebrate it of some in in some way but mm-hmm. it's more well-known and more commercialized in america and england okay customs have interpreted the day to be connected with romantic love although this idea is really kind of just a creation of the legend that was made of saint valentine right because technically uh, the saint valentines that we know about there just as much about love as they are about the beginning of spring oh uh, okay so we just kind of thought the love part was more fun so we went with that right and that's there, fair. there are that's other the holidays that's yeah. yeah and there are other holidays i feel like that have to do with spring so i feel like they're like yeah we got that you know we got may day and everything and uh <laughs> So and we got Groundhog Day. So Sorry, I keep it's true. We had Groundhog Day. <laughs> Sorry, I keep yawning, but I no. promise I'm I'm interested. Oh, you are, you are, you are. Uh, customs include sending flowers, cards, chocolates, and other gifts. Ooh, yeah, um, some chocolate. Ooh, yeah. Um, <laughs> those customs originated in the UK. In Norfolk, England, there is a character called Jack Valentine who knocks on the rear doors of houses and leaves sweets and presents for children. Now, the oh. thing is, a lot of kids, even though they're getting candy, are terrified of Jack Valentine. I would also be <laughs> terrified of Jack Valentine. It does sound kind of scary. That sounds very scary. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. Now there's sweets. You can't ever see him, though. Like, it's... That's really weird. It's, it's, it's kind of like, like Santa, but more, like, devious in a way, you know? Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't like that it sounds like he's a real... I mean, well, like, Santa Claus looks knocking. like a human. Oh, that's So it's weird. like, oh, he's right there, but no one can see him. He's, like, hiding behind a bush or yeah, something. Yeah, and, like, the Easter Bunny's a bunny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's cute. In Slovenia, St. Valentine of, forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, I couldn't find a guide to pronouncing it anywhere else, but Zdravko. Whoa. Um, was a saint of spring, a saint of good health, and a patron of beekeepers and pilgrims. What was the other... One of the saints that we talked about at one time was the saint of beekeepers. What episode did I was thinking about that? that too. I think it was, I forget what your topic was, but. For some reason I looked up the saint you looked for up, you. Yes, you looked up the saints for, and mine was like the saint of beekeepers or something. Oh, it was our names. It was when I talked about middle names, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. I think that's what, maybe it was middle names. Maybe. I remember sitting here in this exact spot yeah. and you're telling me that. Funny times. Because yours was the patron of beekeepers. Yeah. Well, apparently St. Valentine of Zdravko is like, hello, um, stealing my thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> One proverb says that St. Valentine would bring keys of would bring the keys of roots and that plants and flowers would start to grow on this day because of him. 
Uh, it is Aww. the first day that work in vineyards and fields commences in Slovenia. Oh. And it is said that birds propose and marry each other on that day, which is really random and cute. That is really weird because I was just watching an episode of Bob's Burgers where Bob gets Linda um, an engagement ring because you find out he never bought her one. <gasps> and there's like this, of course, mayhem ensues and the kids get it and they lose it and all this stuff and they lose it in a water park and they spend the whole episode looking for it in the water park but then at the very end of the episode after linda's like i don't need a ring it's fine a bird picks up the ring <gasps> and carries it to bob's burgers like Aww. the restaurant and gives it to like his bird wife <laughs> it's bird wife and that's like the ironic part is that like the birds that live on top of bob's burgers have bob's ring for linda <laughs> Is it Valentine's Day? No, this was like the second episode. It aired in September. Oh. So in Slovenia, um, they really focus St. Valentine's Day on springtime because there are other saints who are more connected to romantic love, such as St. Gregory, whose day mm-hmm. is on March 12th, St. Vincent, whose day is on February 22nd, or the patron saint of love, St. Anthony, whose day is June 13th. Oh. So those days are more romantic there. Yeah. There was this one um, ancient custom um, called Lupercalia, which is a very specific festival that was celebrated in the city of Rome itself. And that is an archaic ritual that's connected to fertility. It's kind of like Valentine's Day, but I think it literally has more to do with like finding a mate for having children with. Gotcha. Um, And sexuality it's more of that side of it which is partially why the christian church is like we don't want to have anything to do with that (laughs) (laughs) Um, i don't want any of that no my good christian suburbs no and there is a more general um ancient roman festival called juno februa which translates to juno the purifier or the chaste juno and that is more of a, a general festival that is all celebrated on the same day. Lupercalia is February 13th through 15th, whereas Juno Februa is just the 13th and 14th. Mm-hmm. But that is more like everyone celebrates that and just the city of Rome celebrated Lupercalia. Mm-hmm. Um, this really had nothing to do with St. Valentine's Day. Um, it was even abolished before Valentine's Day was kind of a big thing. Pope G- Gala, oh my god, I said this before. Pope Galasius I abolished Lupercalia and he was the same guy who who canonized who canonized St. Valentine. St. Valentine. That's cool. Yeah. And St. Valentine so this was that was like hundreds of years before or maybe almost 200 cuz I think he was canonized in what 496? Yeah, 496 and he was martyred in 269. So that was a while before. Um mm-hmm. and Lupercalia had nothing to do with St. Valentine. One author named Alvin Butler <laughs> claimed without proof I'm realizing so much in my research for these things that there have just been so many male authors that just make stuff up and we're like, yeah, history, you know? Yeah. Or, yeah, that's like can Yeah, that happened. <laughs> anyway, so he claimed without proof that Lupercalia uh, had these traditions where men and women would draw names from a jar to make couples. And that was the beginning of modern Valentine cards and letters. Mm-hmm. And this got kind of confused because Chaucer later uh, that bastard. yeah he, he wrote a bunch <laughs> of love poems about saint valentine's day being a day that was about romance and because lupercalia was literally on that time people literally just thought it was the same thing 
Okay. So they were like, okay, cool. St. Valentine's Day is about love, even though Lupercalia was abolished, probably because it was mostly about the idea of sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know those Christians, that they, they don't like the sexy times. No, they I'm don't. <laughs> they really don't. They don't. Um, they don't want you to do that. No. Speaking of Chaucer, he really talked a lot about St. Valentine's Day as being this romantic thing, and it was mostly kind of his own invention. Um, but he wrote this one poem for the anniversary of the engagement of King Richard II and Anne of Bohemia. And he wrote, For this was St. Valentine's Day, where every bird cometh here to choose his mate. Which, Aww. again, bird. Get yeah, married. birds. Lots of birds. Lots of birds. Lots of birds in Valentine's yeah. Day lore. And readers read poems like that and were like, cool, that's what Valentine's Day is, you know? Romance. Choosing lovers. Um, <laughs> the earliest surviving Valentine that still exists was a 15th century rondeau which was written in french by charles the duke of orleans to his wife um which starts with uh, this is translated from french i'm sure it sounds much better in the original french but i am already tired of love my very painful valentine oof yeah which is like i was like that's supposed to be nice like you know like obviously he's saying he loves her but like it's painful i guess i don't know shakespeare in 1600 or 1601 one of those years he wrote hamlet (laughs) (laughs) and ophelia has a speech where she says tomorrow is saint valentine's day all the morning the time and i am made at your window to be your valentine then up he rose and donned his clothes and ducked the chamber door let in the maid and out of maid never departed more jeez ophelia and tomorrow's valentine's so shakespeare mentioned valentine's day and valentine's day from then on was really used in a lot of poetry that it almost became like a cliche and a trope like valentine's day was is when we celebrate love the very famous nursery rhyme was written in gammer girton's Garland in 1784 which I'm gonna read it for you but it's the OG version of a poem that we've all kind of heard before the rose is red the violets Mm. blue the honey's sweet and so are you thou art my love and I am thine I drew thee to my valentine the lot was cast and then I drew and fortune said it should be you that's a cute poem and that is literally reference to the thing that that guy said they did during Lupercalia which was drawing names from a jar Aww. To see who you should date. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was still like that. No, that'd be terrible. You'd be stuck with that person. Oh, I guess. <laughs> but then at least it's like you got somebody. <laughs> somebody once drew my name from a jar and now we're stuck with each other forever. <laughs> In 1869, Cadbury created fancy heart-shaped chocolate boxes that became a staple of the holiday. Oh. In the second half of the 20th century, gift exchanges became more popular. According to the U.S. Greeting Card Association, about 190 million Valentines are sent each year in the U.S. Oh. Half of which are given to family members, usually children. Yeah. If you factor in valentines that children make themselves for school exchanges, the number of valentines sent or exchanged goes up to one billion. That's crazy. Yeah. That is true because, like, I remember that being such a huge yeah. thing in elementary school. And it's not as much as an adult to be like, okay, everyone I know has to get one. <laughs> right. But as a child, it was yeah. like you'd get one for every single kid yeah. in your class. And because of this, the people who actually receive the most valentines are teachers. 
good thing they're receiving the most of something because it's not the pay. That's so sweet. That's such a sweet statistics. Isn't that cute? That's really, that's really cute. In 2010, there was um, a study that found that the average amount spent on Valentine's gifts for your loved one was $108. And then they did the same study in 2013 and it had gone up to $131, which that's so much. You don't got to spend that on me, you know? Like, (laughs) I'll just take what a a hug is nice, you know? All right. Um, Remind me to hug Jane on Valentine's (laughs) Day. Set a reminder. (laughs) Siri, set a reminder. (laughs) Uh, Tens of millions of e-cards or printable cards are sent or exchanged. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a really huge thing. And um, Valentine's Day is really not considered to be a Hallmark holiday because it's so heavily commercialized. And it it really started as a religious thing because it's celebrating these Christian saints. But I feel like I have no memories of Valentine's Day being a thing that we celebrated in church. Yeah, me neither. And this is my favorite thing to talk about in this. uh, This is my thing I'm going to leave you with. And that is that in 2010, in an episode of Parks and Recreation, (gasps) the character Leslie Nope invented Galentine's Day as the day that celebrates the joys of female friendship. She decided it would be set every year on February 13th, and it is typically celebrated with a long and boozy brunch. She explains, every February 13th, my lady friends and I leave our husbands and boyfriends at home, and we just come and kick it, breakfast style. Ladies celebrating ladies. It's like Lilith Fair, minus the angst, plus frittatas. And then I think in that same episode, she coined the phrase uteruses before deuteruses. The reason why I identified that was because I was reading an article about Valentine's Day and how mm-hmm. Parks and Rec was the first to come up with it. And now mm-hmm. it's like almost an official holiday because women liked that idea so much mm-hmm. that now it's very widely celebrated. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it's just a fun thing to hang out with your girlfriends and... You know, yeah, we had a Valentine's up. Day brunch yeah. the last two years. It's very fun. Friends. And w- then there was a bunch of images of products that are sold specifically for Valentine's Day be- now because, of course, we're going to capitalize on this. Right. And the- one of them was, it said uteruses before deuteruses, and there was, like, a picture of Leslie Nope on it. So that's why my brain was like, oh, they were they made it up. But Yeah, I'm sure she did. I, I hear I hear her saying that in my mind. I hear I her saying it, too. Yeah. Um. I believe that it would make sense yeah. if it was in that episode. Yeah. Um, but that became a really widespread thing. Like, a lot of people celebrate Valentine's Day now. Oh, yeah. I probably have now celebrated it more than actual Valentine's Day because I've never had a significant other on Valentine's Day. And I've always had Galentine, so. <laughs> yeah, I love Valentine's Day. It's, it's so great. Fun. It's like a good reminder that, like, you have all sorts of love in your life. Yeah. And the love that you receive from your friends is, like equally of value as the love you receive from a partner yeah i think that's what's great about it is the celebration of platonic love definitely yeah that was a nice note to end on that was okay so for my reddit segment i just wanted to touch on something that's happening well we're recording this on february 2nd which is a sunday so Mm -hmm. for us this is happening tomorrow but for the rest of y'all, it will will have happened in the past. But oh. tomorrow, February 3rd, is the Iowa caucuses. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something important to touch on just because in the last nine election cycles for the Democratic candidates, seven of those people ha- that have been chosen by the Iowa caucuses as their desired candidate have gone on to be the presidential candidate. Oh. So... That it, I didn't it's know It's something to keep an eye on, you know? Definitely. That the Democrats were people of habit. 
which can be a disadvantage for us. But so yeah, so tomorrow's the caucus. Have you ever done a caucus? We've talked about them in the no. episode where you talked about how the election, how the election works, how the pri- uh, how the primaries work. No, mm. um, I have never done a caucus. No, because Pennsylvania does not mm. caucus. I did it in Maine once, but I'm actually not sure if Maine is caucusing this year. One of the Democratic candidates that I was watching on Stephen Colbert the other night literally said that some counties the caucus might be decided on who brings cookies. <laughs> <laughs> that's hysterical because it's literally you're like divided up into your town and your county and you literally like hash it out yeah it's not like one per one ballot per person it's like you decide as a as a group as a zip code who your desired candidate will be any registered voter can participate however not that many people actually show up to do it in 2016 they found that fewer than 16 percent of people who are eligible to vote actually caucus oh my god so if you're in iowa get out there you know that's crazy caucus is it because they don't have off from work oh maybe although um it's actually it's at nighttime now but oh it's at like it's like it's at like 7 p.m the caucuses happen in like public places like uh public libraries school gymnasiums sometimes people's homes yeah my caucus happened in a school and they sent our town to the library <laughs> they're like y'all get the library this year's gonna be extra confusing because the state party will release three different results from the caucuses they're gonna release a statewide preference after the first alignment the preference after the second alignment and the final state delegate equivalence now what the alignments essentially means is that um the people are going to meet really three times and they're going to come to like three different decisions every candidate needs to get at least 15 percent of the delegates in iowa and if you don't get 15 percent, you are eliminated and then i think they redo it okay like um to just to narrow the field until you have one candidate chosen yeah if a candidate does not get 15 percent, they get no delegates delegates and their voters can resort or go to their second choice next and final round and they keep doing that until one person is chosen yes iowa is really important because of the number they do have a larger number of delegates um they have 41 delegates which is not like the most but it's really just that it is a very big predictor for who is going to go on to win the candidacy yeah um and that is a big thing that's happening tomorrow so i thought it was important to remind everybody you know that that's happening we're gonna yeah and to check in on what the results were i saw a recent thing that bernie sanders is actually like one of the most likely people to beat trump if he were the candidate yeah i did see that which i feel like certain people need to be reminded that it's not that biden isn't the one the only one who could beat him other people could right I don't know. I don't know, I don't it's know what's complicated. gonna happen. I feel so, it's such a nerve wracking thing because yeah. at the worst case scenario, no one beats Trump, and we really don't want that to happen. But I, I do think it is more likely than some people say that other people could beat Trump. However, I do worry that all of the infighting amongst the Democratic Party is gonna make it that no one's really that electable. Yeah. 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 I just don't like we're shooting ourselves in the foot just like we did in 2016 and it's so scary and like I understand that all this is happening at the same time as the impeachment hearing so it's just like everything is happening all at once yeah there's a lot going on this making us all very nervous yeah and like how do you get through it it's really hard I don't know it's really hard 
anyway that's why that's, it's how in, that's why it's it but that's when it's important to like stay up on what's going on because it's like you can't it's so easy to just tune it out it's so easy to just be like i can't think about that right now but you like you've got to keep yourself in the loop yeah. like you gotta show them because when you stop caring that's when politicians get away with shit you yeah. know because they're like no one's paying attention the more we pay attention the less they can get away with they want us to stop paying attention you know yeah but it also like while we're talking about this i do want to mention that just the the way our electoral college works is really, so flawed really doesn't deserve really doesn't serve our democracy that well um because this article that I got from npr.com, npr.org? npr.org. npr.org. Thank you, by the way, that I used to, like, recap myself on how they work. Um, reminded me that despite the cock- despite the fact that caucuses of Iowa are more than 90% white, as of two weeks ago, the candidates have spent $50 million on ads in Iowa alone. So because of the way this whole thing works, like, I feel like the candidates could be using that money to be reaching out to people who have a harder time voting because of the like discrimination in our country and the unequal voting access that people have it it, but because we have this annoying system we have to put in all this money to appeasing a largely white group of people to decide who's gonna lead everyone well i saw this thing that was about this is about the impeachment hearings and it was someone who lives in california saying it is unfair that a senator from some low population state like nebraska i think um they were like this this senator from nebraska represents 1.5 million people or something like that whatever like i don't know what the population of nebraska is say it's 3 million whatever so he represents half 1.5 million when my senator from california represents 33 million people and yet they both get one vote yeah which is, it's, she's got it a point. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. I was like, you have a point. <laughs> uh, there are lots of flaws in our system. Lots and lots of them. There are. But thank you for taking the time to talk about that. Yeah, is there anything? Oh, that was really what I thought. No, oh, that's perfect. Okay, great. It's perfect. Um, are you ready to, to talk about the neograms? Yeah. Change the topic to something more lighthearted. You know, we love a personality test in this house. We really do. The reason I thought of this and wanted to ask you about this was because I watched a video by uh, the Super Carlin Brothers, which is a YouTube channel that I really like. And they were basically like, we've been talking about Hogwarts houses like almost to death. Like we're constantly sorting everybody into Hogwarts houses. And it's like just really it's kind of. The moment is kind of passing, and we're not, like, J.K. Rowling isn't something we love that much, although I do very strongly identify as a Hufflepuff. But what they did is they went through all of the Harry Potter houses and sorted them into enneagrams. Oh, that's really I mean, not houses, but characters. That's really funny. And it was a fun time, and it was like, I was like, oh, I don't really know a lot about that. So, great. Well, here we go. Yeah. So, the enneagram is a test of the human psyche. The word enneagram comes from the Greek words enea, meaning nine, and gramos, meaning symbol. So the enneagram itself is a symbol. It's a nine-pointed symbol that represents nine personalities and how you relate to them. Mm. Each enneagram type has different patterns of thinking, methods of action, and emotions that come from a deeper motivation within. Mm -hmm. The origins of the enneagram of personality are up for debate. Some argue that the Enneagram is inspired by the work of Evagrius Ponticus, a 4th century Alexandrian mystic. He identified eight logos moi, 
meaning logismoi. I don't know. It's L O G I S M O I. Now, moi, it's like logismoi. Moi. Moi. But that means deadly thoughts. Um, And then he also identified eight remedies to those thoughts, plus the final ninth thought called love of self. And he wrote, the first (laughs) thought of all is that of love of self. After this come the eight. Ooh. That was in the fourth century, and then George Ivanivovich Gurdjieff. I can't say these these Russian names. Okay, so we have George Ivanovich. Ivanovich Gurdjieff is credited with popularizing the word enneagram and making the symbol well known, but he did not develop the nine personality types. What's really weird about him is that his date of birth is actually unknown. He was born anytime between 1866 and 1877, but even he didn't know when he was born. But he did die in 1949, and he is famous for uh, creating a way of thinking um, that is used to awaken your consciousness, and that is called the fourth way. And he founded a school, and he was like actually a really big mystic philosopher in Eastern Europe in his time. Mm-hmm. But no one ever know, knew when he was born. Did he just like have amnesia for the first like? I don't know. I think he was orphaned. Or... I think he was orphaned. And but I you'd did... think you'd know like how old you are like about no he was there was 11 year span where he could have been born and he didn't know isn't that weird so when people asked how old he was would he just be like ah you know i'm I'm like 40 to 51 i don't know like (laughs) no he decided that he was born in 1872 okay and then oscar ikazo who is still alive today is generally recognized as the principal creator of the contemporary enneagram of personality he was born in 1931 and he's still alive Wow. Yeah. Uh, Ikazo began teaching self-development in South America in the 1950s. He uses the Enneagram in his teachings and founded the Arica Institute, first in Chile, then in the U.S. The school practices metaphysical studies and way of awakening the human mind to the world around you. Oscar Ikazo is the person who coined the term Enneagram of personality. So he was the one who was like... It defines your personality. Yeah. One of Ikazo's students, Naranjo, developed and taught his own understanding of the Enneagram in the U.S. in the 1970s. This influenced some Jesuit priests, and they adapted the Enneagram for use in Christian spirituality. But this made Ikazo very angry, and he even disowned Naranjo as one of his students. Ooh. So don't cross Ikazo. <laughs> uh, so let's discuss some personality types. Types are normally referred to by their numbers, but some will use their characteristic role instead. Hmm. Every type also has a stress and a security point, which are the numbers it's connected to on the Enneagram. So if you're a type three, your stress is a nine and your security is a six because those are the numbers that the lines are connected to. Okay. Because the Enneagram is a circle with one triangle and one hexagon in it and they're all connected. Okay. Yeah. A stress point is the type that that person will act like under stress. So, again, if you were three under stress, you act like a nine. And security refers to how they act when they are relaxed. So, if you were three when you're relaxed, you act like a six. Mm. Rising Um, sign and moon. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. So, now I'm going to tell you about all the different types. If you had a nice handy dandy chart. (laughs) So, this chart, again, there are nine types and each type has a characteristic role, which is like the overall dis- description or a describing word for this person. And ego fixation, it's like a negative aspect of your personality. Mm. 
is how I would uh, over like a very driven, a very overarching negative aspect to yourself. Their holy idea. This doesn't mean literally like their religious idea, but this idea of like a higher calling, mm-hmm. you know, um, basic fears, basic desires, temptations, vices, virtues, and then their stress number and their security number. Ooh. So number one is known as the reformer or the perfectionist. Their ego fixation is on resentment. Mm. Their holy idea is um, perfection, which makes sense because they are referred to as a perfectionist. Um, They are afraid of corruptness, imbalance, being bad. They desire goodness, integrity, and balance. Um, They are tempted by hypocrisy and hypercriticism. Mm. That's something that they lean towards. Their vice is anger. Their virtue is serenity. Uh. They are stressed by the number four (laughs) and secure with the number seven. Number twos are known as helpers and givers. Their ego fixation is flattery. They love to be flattered. (laughs) Their holy idea is freedom and will. They value that above all else. They are are afraid of being unloved, and their biggest desire is to feel love. I'm kind of identifying with this one. I'm going to talk to you. (laughs) I'm going to tell you some things. (laughs) Um, They are tempted by the need to deny their own needs and manipulation. Um, their vice is their pride and their virtue is humility like that's what they need Mm -hmm. they are stressed by the number eight and secure with the number four just like as in like like those by the p like not by the number itself but by like the enneagram eight right that's how they uh, yeah but okay, like, okay. I was like, like i love the number eight <laughs> no, no no they are stressed when they are stressed they act like the number eight uh, and when okay. they are relaxed they act like the number four cool cool, cool. yeah number threes are achievers and performers um their ego fixation is vanity their holy ideas are hope and also law mm-hmm. their fear is that they are worthless they desire feeling valuable Mm-hmm. Their temptation is to push themselves to always be the best and to overexert themselves. Um, their vice is their ability to be deceitful. Um, their virtue can be their truthfulness and their authenticity. When Aww. they are stressed, they act like nines. And when they are secure, they act like sixes. Aww. Number four are the individualists or the romantic. Their ego fixation is melancholy. Their holy Mm -hmm. idea is origin or this idea that um, we all have, like, a purpose, you know, almost, that, like, we all stem from something. Um, Their fear is having no identity or significance, and their desire is to be uniquely themselves. They don't want to fit into a box. Um, Their temptation is to overuse their imagination in search of self, which I think is so interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. Overuse their imagination. Um... Their vice is envy. Their virtue is equanimity or emotional balance. When they are stressed, they act like twos. And when they're secure, they act like ones. So when they're stressed, they act. They are like helpers and givers and they become more ingrained in society. But when they're secure and relaxed, they act more like perfectionists and Mm -hmm. things like that, which I think is really interesting. Now that we have some stressors and securities that 
put back to numbers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so fives are investigators or observers. Their ego fixation is stinginess. Their holy idea is omniscience and transparency. This idea that, like, we can all know everything. They're oversharers, one could say. Mm-hmm. Um, their basic fear is helplessness, incapability, or incompetence. They, they are very social people. Um, but their basic desire is mastery or un- deep understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea that probably these are the people that socially want to be at the top of the hierarchy. Their temptation is replacing direct experience with concepts. So literally, like, inserting yourself in spaces that you know nothing about. I could think of some people. Their vice is avarice or greed. Ooh. And their virtue is non-attachment. Like, they have no attachment, which I think is very fascinating. They are stress. Their stress is the number seven, and their security is the number eight. Mm-hmm. Number six are loyalists, or they're also called loyal skeptic. Their ego fixation is cowardice, but their holy idea is faith. Their basic fear is being without support or guidance. So they very much rely on others to lift them up and for help. Um, They are not afraid of being, of asking for help as well. I'm not afraid. (laughs) Their basic desire is to be satisfied, is to, sorry, is to have support and guidance. Their temptation is indecision, doubt, and seeking reassurance. Their vice is fear, but their virtue is courage. When they are stressed, they act like a three. And when they are secure, they act like a nine. Hmm. Number seven is an enthusiast. Their ego fixation is on planning. Their holy idea is wisdom and plan. Their basic fear is being unfulfilled, trapped, or deprived. Mm. Their basic desire is to be satisfied and content. So they don't really care what they are doing as long as they're content with it god i hope you're satisfied their vice is gluttony which is interesting when you think about contentment um Mm. but their virtue is is sobriety they're Mm. they're when they are stressed they act like ones and when they're secure they act like fives and number eight is the challenger or the projector or the protector their ego fixation is vengeance their holy idea is truth their basic fear is being controlled, harmed, or violated. Their basic desire is self-protection. The temptation is thinking that they are completely self-sufficient and they don't need anybody. Their vice is lust and their virtue is innocence. This sounds like um, like a protagonist in like an action movie. It does. It absolutely does. <laughs> when they are stressed, they act like a five. And when they are secure, they act like a two. And finally, we have the peacemaker or mediator. Their ego fixation is on indolence or daydreaming. Hmm. The holy idea is love. Their basic fear is loss, fragmentation, and separation. Their basic desire is wholeness or peace of mind. The temptation is to avoid conflict and avoid self-assertion. Their vice is sloth and their (laughs) virtue is action. See, that one sounds... I also like that one. When they are stressed, they act like a six. And when they are secure, they act like a three. That one I also feel like I identify with, kind of. So, that's basic information about the Enneagrams. I think that's cool is a lot like the Myers-Briggs. Like, the more you look into your Enneagram type, the more that you can find. Yeah. Um, Most Enneagram of personality theorists believe that each person's type is also informed by the two types adjacent to it. So, they are referred to as their wings. When 
I took the Enneagram. So I took the Enneagram test. My results showed me. Is this my result? Yes. My results showed me that I was a 98% match to a three. Mm. Which when I'm reading the chart, the three is the achiever. I'll read it for you again. (laughs) Their ego fixation is vanity. Their holy idea is hope and law. Their basic fear is that they are worthless and their basic desire is to feel valued and their temptation is to push themselves always to be the best. Like, I feel that very, very much. But I also think it's really interesting that under stress, threes act like a nine and nine was the peacemaker or mediator and this idea that under stress, you're avoiding conflict, so you're avoiding asserting yourself that I can either under stress I can either be really active or really lazy like mm-hmm. I very much relate to that so I was not surprised that I got a 98 percent yeah three um the second highest I got was two which is the giver which doesn't surprise me because a lot of the questions are about like do you like giving and being a person that works with kids that makes sense and I was also yeah. an 89 percent match to one I personally think that you are a two or a nine <laughs> would you like to we'll insert some music here take a music break can you take the quiz i'm trying to find because i really think i took this test over the summer a two you seem to be a two wing three or a six wing five you're a two <laughs> <laughs> but i also kind of like nine but i agree i think I, when you read two i was like yeah yeah, this one really, really reminded me of you. The two, like, basic desire to be loved, mm-hmm. like, virtue, humility, like, that really speaks of you to to me. And this also, like, their holy idea being freedom and will, mm. I think is I think that really reminds me of you. Under stress, they act like an eight, which is the challenger protector, which eights, like, kind of put up a shield when they are str- – like, if you are a two, when you are stressed, that means you put up a shield like an eight would – to like yeah. protect yourself essentially yeah um and when you are relaxed and secure you act you are more you're like four is an individual sort of romantic so you are more vulnerable you are open um, yeah <laughs> you show your emotions when you're relaxed you're like you are more uniquely yourself you're more authentic when i'm relaxed yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so i think that also makes sense for you yeah so that is wow. everything about Enneagrams. I hope as you were listening, you heard a little bit that reminded you about yourself. Would love to know what your type is. I feel like there's so many different things you can learn about yourself with all of the different tests that are out there. And I feel like one argument could be that there's too many and we're going too far. But I feel like there's nothing wrong with really getting to know yourself really, really well. No, not at all. Because that way you can be the best member of a community that you can be if you know your strengths and your weaknesses and you know how to take care of yourself and you know how to help others best and like what you can contribute yeah i I think there's it's so nice you know yeah it's good to have like methods of using methods to study yourself and understand yourself when our friend taylor had a powerpoint party which is means that like you make a powerpoint and you present it and it's a party and it's very funny my powerpoint (laughs) was about was like defending astrology and like why astrology is okay and it's like i'm not gonna sit here some people say that they use astrology as a scapegoat for bad behavior and i do i have seen that before it's like well don't hate me because i'm vain i'm just a leo it's like okay (laughs) well that's not a good reason to be vain but it also is a a good way to be reflect 
to be reflective and to know yourself and to see yourself in a safe way. Yeah. Okay, it feels much more safe taking a quiz and having the quiz be like, hey, you can be really vain as opposed to like your friend coming up to you and telling you that. You yeah. know, because then it's like, wow, I am vain. And that's a safe, it's a safe method yeah. of self-reflection that I think is important. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Jane's wearing her glasses, so I'm going to put on mine. Oh, yeah, yeah, even though I'm not looking at anything right I just find, I think it must be psychosomatic, but I feel like my eyes relax a little bit when I put on my blue light glasses, and it's just like, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, thank you so much yeah. for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider donating to us directly through the link in our bio for this episode on Anchor, or consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. And finally, if you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com. Jane keeps using the podcast email for promos. <laughs> okay, okay. I've used it for Uber because it wouldn't let me use my email. And I used it for one of the food things. And I've used it for ColourPop probably. <laughs> you did. <laughs> but I just thought maybe we could find a way to like hack it and save money, you know? No, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, do it. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat, kiddo. <laughs> I think I know what I've been wondering. <laughs> Lay it on me. Lay it on me. Sarah, do you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering, Jane? Can you explain TikTok to me? But like, <laughs> I miss Vine. So, like, can you talk about, like, what happened to Vine and how, like, tic- like why why can we have TikTok but we can't have Vine? Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We'll talk about TikTok and Vine. I love that. Yeah. That seems like it'll be fun. Yeah. Jane, you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering, Sarah? I took a note earlier and I'm going to pick up the note. Can you tell me about the goths? Oh! <laughs> Not, like, wears black lipstick. Yeah. yeah. But, like, historically. Historically, the goths. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, what did we say earlier that we didn't know about? The goth. The goth. I'm just gonna, okay. I'm just gonna, we're just gonna insert it right back in there. You Great. know, the thread goss. from one episode yeah. to another. The goth. Cool. cool. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, thank you, Jane. And thank you so much for listening. This is You Know What I've Been Wondering. <laughs>